Canadians and Sandies pacification and placements are active and tracking at this station. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. Three, two, one, ignition. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're discussing Thrawn Whoop. by Timothy Zahn. Thrawn. Yeah. I'm very excited our about this Our first delve. Go ahead. You're, yeah, it is exciting. And this is our first delve into uh, the Star Wars canon books. Will it be yeah. the last? We shall, we shall see. We shall see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. I had a chance to uh, sit down and chat with Timothy uh, a few years ago. We're on a first-name basis now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, with the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. <laughs> and this was before Thrawn came out. But we, of course... Uh, Miles and I were fans, fans of his uh, Thrawn books in the original Star Wars universe before it was taken over by Disney and then for discounted. But um, Thrawn was always a loved character and one of my favorites that, that Timothy had done. So, Yeah, I saw that he wrote others. I'm seriously thinking about reading those. Yeah, they aren't canon. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you, you know what? I read a lot of Star Trek novels, and none, none of those are canon either. So. None of those are canon. That's true. <laughs> uh, now, they, now the books that are coming out in the, Disney, in the Disney universe now are considered canon, you know? Yes. So, so this, this book, Thrawn, is considered, uh, is considered canon, so the one that we did, so. Yeah. So. It's one of the, I mean, there's. Comparatively, not nearly as many canon books now as there once was. Oh, yeah. It's growing. Definitely. It is. It it's is. It's growing. It is. Uh, and so, and they, they seem to be focusing on individual characters because there's uh, yeah. Ahsoka yeah. I saw, and there's a Princess Leah dark, book that uh, yeah, dark, Chrissy has. There's a, uh, there's a, what, Phasma or Plasma, whatever her name is. The, mm -hmm. the yeah. Silver Trooper and... Um, yeah, and then there was I I recently read Dark Disciple, which was a uh, focused on Asajj Ventress, which was part of the Clone Wars series. So, ah, yeah, it's hard to keep up. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. There's, there's a lot of people, but that's you know what, same way in the no, no matter like Star Trek universe, you'd have the same thing happening. So, oh yeah, there's no way I can read everything that's out there because there's just new stuff constantly. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. So uh, why don't we delve into Thrawn? What are we talking about here? Yeah. Thrawn, are you going to give us a summary of the book, David? Yeah, man. So Thrawn's kind of an interesting look into the uh, Star Wars universe in the fact that it it's almost, well, it is completely 100% the Empire. And right. the way that the book is written, it's very much like the Empire uh, are the good guys, in a way. I mean, they're not oh, yeah. necessarily good or bad, but... Most are just kind of like that's the character that you're with, and so uh, the Empire discovers a uh, a gentleman on a planet that's uh, been outcast, and that's wrong. Quote unquote and, outcast. And uh, he comes over and proves himself as to be a uh, competent strategist and military person, and kind of works his way into the Empire and up in rank and continues to do so of course there's uh plot points along the way that we'll talk about but that's the general gist is is a uh, um an alien moving up through the ranks of the empire which is um explained in the book that it's mostly almost completely a human soldier initiative because of the clone wars which is I thought was really interesting because, you know, you see in the movies, you see it's all humans and stuff. And, and you think, you know, why isn't it more like Star Trek where there's there's aliens involved? And here uh, they explain this kind of, uh, what's it called? Xeno... Yeah. Xenophobia. Yeah, xenophobia. Xenophobia. Uh, because when the Clone Wars happened, a lot of the species that joined the... Um, what was it called? The Not the Rebellion, but the... 
super systems. That were against the um, Republic were aliens. Separatists. And not humans. So it would became kind of a human versus alien type battle. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so, Thrawn. I mean, yeah, that's so this, basically it, how it, it goes. It, without, and it takes with place. a quick summary without yeah. spoiling everything. <laughs> yeah, it takes place after Revenge of the Sith, just to kind of give you mm-hmm. an overview of that. And. Um, and but before uh, a new hope before well and before before the uh and before rogue one too mm-hmm. but before rebels yeah yeah it would be before yeah. before rebels as well and and actually very few um very few main characters in this book as far as it goes I mean, we have palpatine we have tarkin that's mentioned casually and interacts casually with it and we have the the hints of the rebellion kind of being established, but that's it. Not not much. Not not much as far as main characters go. Oh, it's very no. true. It's yeah. very true. So, so yeah, it, you, you've got Thrawn and uh, the gentleman that he kind of travels around with. Uh, yeah, Eli. Eli Vanto. And uh, and I didn't see where it was going at first, but then you've got uh, they follow a a girl who. Whose family owned a shipping price. or a mining yeah. outpost? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, let's talk about our what our initial thoughts about this book. You know, I come into it and I read it before, which is why we're kind of reading because I thought it was an awesome book. And I uh, people voted and they said, "Yeah, let's do Thrawn." So we decided to do Thrawn, and and we're so grateful for that. It, but Jim, this was your first read through of Thrawn. Now, before mm-hmm. I get to your impressions of the book. Had you did you watch any of the Clone Wars animated series? Or uh, or oh, Rebel? I've, or, I've seen all of Clone Wars a couple of times through, but uh, what, Thrawn doesn't come in till like the third season of Rebels. Right. Though. Well, but he's also in the. Uh, oh yes, he's in, he's certainly in Rebels, but he was in. Um, uh, anyways, so Rebels, he, he does come in. So you did encounter Thrawn before this book. Yes. Okay. So Thrawn and Rebels, and now you encounter Thrawn in the book. Tell me about your impression of Thrawn in the book. Okay. Um, He is extremely intelligent, has great foresight, and and nobody can pull a surprise over on this guy because he is, he he seems to be able to outthink everybody. Um, I don't see him as being evil and... I also was really impressed with the fact that he didn't want to kill unless it was necessary. Right. He wanted to minimize collateral damage wherever possible. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you think of the book? Did you like the book? I love the book. Um, (laughs) It was really neat to see a different point of view uh, from the Imperial side. Um you know, throughout all the movies and anything else that I've encountered, uh, the Empire is just plain evil. And in Thrawn, the point of view is uh, more like from a from a common person looking in at what's going on. So the entire Empire is not evil. The people aren't all evil. There may be evil intentions, and there there is a lot of uh, a lot of ambition and and backstabbing going on at the at the higher levels but what i really appreciated was reading about soldiers who are in in the military serving the legitimately appointed government and just doing their jobs mm. and they they aren't the way they come through in in the movies and so forth and so on. Yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. I really liked it. Good, good. David, how about you? This is your first uh, reading of anything Thrawn related, right? Yeah. Um, now, I knew who he was because of, I mean, it's when you're into these kind of things as deep as I get in, it's hard to ignore someone who makes waves like Thrawn as much as he does in the culture. Um, however, I didn't know anything about him other than he was blue and he was an admiral and everyone loved how, how awesome he was. Um, that said, I found the book to be, although wholly adequate on his own with 
my expectations to be rather disappointing. Ooh. Um, and I think that's only because the Thrawn that I've been hearing about for years and years is this Thrawn that was built in at least three books, you know, that he was introduced in. And I kind of thought that the way that this was um, presented, it was going to be a condensed version of that Thrawn rather than an introduction origin story and solely that of it of is Thrawn. yeah and you're right and you're right right um, there it is the origin story of Thrawn so I can totally see why that would yeah. like not meet expectations if that's you, if that's what you were expecting yeah I mean that said I the book is very very good it's very solid and I would definitely recommend it to a Star Wars fan um, especially because I really liked like Jim was saying the perspective of seeing the empire as just a military and not you know not necessarily a uh, a big evil thing um which I, I thought was really interesting and uh, along those lines you see how uh with the with the girl what, what Miranda Price the, um, with Price you see her start off as this innocent and become basically what we think of the empire by the end of the empire um and i i thought that was a really cool progression to see how the corruptible people wind up in power and and how and one of the innocent ways that could come to be and then you see thrawn who is supposed to be this uh big evil guy uh in all the things that i've read and, and here his his motivations are and and his actions although fierce, are not necessarily um, evil. Yeah. Well, you know, you brought up something real good there, uh, that the Thrawn that many of the Star Wars fans, you know, grew up with was the Thrawn that was, this was supposed to be the trilogy that followed, you know, Return of the Jedi, the one that was never made. Everyone was saying that the Heir to the Empire books, which was the original Thrawn trilogy, would be, would make a great, you know, trilogy sequel to the original trilogy. And uh, and, and he was very uh, devious and evil there. And, and I think it's important for us to remember that this is Thrawn in a new universe with a chance to be reinvented. And that that, that heir to the Empire universe, while still will resonate, there's echoes of that, certainly in our culture, is a different Thrawn. It's like it's like a mirror universe. Mm-hmm. It's like they have the whole Kelvin and mirror universe in Star Trek. This is kind of that for Star Wars. <laughs> hmm. And so uh, we have a different Thrawn here. But, hmm. but, uh, but I hear you and I understand why you uh, feel that way, David. So. I mean, I'd definitely be interested in yeah. reading more of him. Uh, this, this is the only sure. book that's out as far as I know yet. So I don't know if Tim's working on right. another or not, but. Well, everything at the end of this book is pretty well in place to uh, move into Rebels. Right. Um, yeah. And they they do kind of hint at the... Um, I, I never read the other ones, but wasn't there like a a plot of how the, em- the Emperor may have built the Death Star to protect the galaxy from an outside threat? originally well that's introduced here but that is never i don't know anywhere that that's fleshed out fully or even believed in that's something that that's something that thrawn and uh and and um palpatine discuss or sidious discuss and they um but it's never really it's never played as being an actuality i didn't know if that was something carried over from the other books not not that i know of but not saying it's not, and certainly, and I've read, um, and then certainly in Rogue One, and then the, there's a book called Catalyst, which is right before Rogue One um, takes place. It talks about the building of the Death Star, and in nowhere in there is it ever hinted that they were building it f- to protect from a uh, 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 a foreign race. Okay. Yeah, hmm. but uh, they do. I mean, Thra- Thrawn certainly hints throughout out the book that. There are evils greater than the Empire that are out there. So that's a logical conclusion. So mm-hmm. and right. maybe that's that's Snoke, probably. 
Bad. <laughs> <laughs> evil greater than that. Yeah. You watch. Speaking of which, the tickets go on sale while we're recording. That's right. So Hey, stop the recording. Let's go buy them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, uh, the second trailer dropped so. today, too, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. But. Well, so uh, let's yeah. move into uh, characters, things we liked about the book, favorite places. Jim, why don't you lead us in this? All right. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, we discussed uh, Mithra Nurodo, a.k.a. Thrawn, a little bit. Uh, anything that we would want to add? Yeah, you, okay, so I really liked his character, and I think... Okay. One of the things that really docked this book for me was um, the the way that the character changes at the end. And uh, I, I don't know if this was because um, because he had to get this idea in the book before the end and didn't want to put it in the next book or, or what it was that, that was influencing this decision but Thrawn builds up this um great kind of like nemesis in night was it nightshade night, night, night swan night swan night swan yeah he builds up this 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 great uh, enemy in night swan and um they they're coming to like head to head and he convinces him to to meet him out in the field where no one you know it's just the two of them and he meets him out in this field and I don't know what to expect, but it just turns into this like entire chapter of exposition crammed into like one little section and it doesn't turn the character like totally upside down where like everything was wrong, but it does tilt him to the side and reveals this like whole hidden agenda that I don't know, you didn't really get a feel for it before. And uh, it really twists the character that had just been built. Like, you know, uh, from this outsider trying to make it in the Empire to now this character, this mole within the Empire for his own species, kind of like uh, fishing out how, what to think of them and, and how, how to assess the Empire's power. Well, I, I think that there, is, there are hints of that, though, throughout the book. I don't think it's a total drop. And I don't think that Thrawn is just playing mole to the to 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 his race right to the chess empire i think that i think that he legitimately is engaged and is legitimately caring and also assessing the empire and so i didn't view it as being i don't i don't view it as being total there's always more to thrawn's agenda i mean that that that's clear in anything that you've ever met any any interaction with thrawn there's always more going on behind the scenes in thrawn and uh, and so it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I hear what you're saying, but for me, it that wasn't a, a huge change. Yeah, it could have been. I was maybe I fatigued in my. At the, by I, that point, I was becoming very deflated, realizing I wasn't going to get what I had kind of thought I was going to get. Yeah, see, I I kind of felt like that. Thrawn had actually more or less disarmed Night Swan. And Thrawn completed his mission, the ultimate mission, which was to shut down Night Swan and the smugglers working on the Outer Rim um, by using intelligence rather than weapons. Oh, yeah, for sure. But the whole tur- trying to, to get Night Nightshade to... To join nice the chess, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, you know, Night Swan seems to be one of the uh, w- one of the uh, outlying factions of the whole rebel, the rebel group, at least initially. And they're both interested in what's happening with the Death Star, and that seems to be yeah. a side plot. Them trying to figure out what's being built, where's the Dunium being sent, and um, he, of course confronts uh palpatine on that but it's very uh but it's it's a very interesting my phone sorry is just going off here um but i 
I do yeah. like how they address where all the Clone War era stuff is going. I thought that was really interesting. Right. That is interesting. How it's like getting I bought agree. up by this uh, rebellion or being used as scrap for the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I hear you. You know, when I look at Thrawn for me, like when I look at, hey, the thing that impresses me about Thrawn is is how Timothy Zahn created a character where you buy into his way of seeing things and the way he interprets things. And I love the fact that you get you step inside Thrawn's head at numerous points where he begins to you see him analyzing the characters that he's interacting with. And mm-hmm. and it makes him very it makes him seem a bit more sinister than maybe Thrawn really is. Uh, but it really shows all the analysis goes into. Also love the fact that Thrawn, when he goes to attack a culture, he studies their art. And I thought that was fascinating. Oh, yeah. An interesting way to look at it. You know, he, he goes to take over a planet, they're looking at his art, you know, and uh, they, learn, they learn what's important, what they, what they value. And um, I thought that was interesting as well. Oh. For me, Thrawn is a chess master. I mean, he is two or three moves ahead of everybody. Oh, I no matter agree. what, no matter what the situation is, this guy is way ahead, and nobody's going to catch up to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Eli by the end, because Eli, well, they sp- he's being they trained spent years and years and years together. Yeah, so he's being he's being mentored by Thrawn and. And in the end, so much so that Thrawn trusts him to be sent back to the uh, Chess Empire at the end. See, that's another thing about Thrawn, though, is is he does train Eli and trains him well and doesn't hold back. And he wants Eli to be a good officer and serve, uh, serve the military to the best of his ability. Well, and you yeah. question at the end whether it's to serve the military or if it's, as David was hinting at, his total analysis of the Empire so that he can report back to the Chess Empire. Hmm. You know, is Eli, is Eli being raised to serve the Empire or to serve the Chess Empire? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But, well, that, that kind, kind of brings us into Eli. What yeah. did you think of his character? I liked him. Yeah, he was a good character. You know, here's the thing about Eli that I, I like. First of all, you find a guy that's he's set on being, he's in a certain frame of mind that he's going to be um, and basically an accountant who, who tracks inventory. He's an inventory worker, right, on a ship. And his family has done this, and he's set to do this for the Empire, and this is his career. And then he just so happens to also be somewhat of a linguist be- only because he's worked the Outer Rim and he can speak, uh, what is it, Sabaki or I forget the name of it, but something like that, uh, that the Chiss speak or they're able to speak with. And he's able to communicate with Thrawn and lo and behold, he can't get away from Thrawn. <laughs> mostly, due to th- mostly due to Thrawn's manipulation of things. And, um, and uh, this really bugs him for a while, but... It grows on him to the point where, at the end, he doesn't care. Yeah, he's kind he's kind of bought into it, and he actually uh, actually would miss being with Thrawn. I think. But. I think a large part of it has to do with that uh, second in command kind of opening his eyes and being like, "What are you talking about? Thrawn's been grooming you to become the best that there is, and you're almost oh, yeah. there." Type thing. Yeah. No, I hear it. So, yeah, I liked Eli. But, I thought he was he was a good um, everyman to kind of bring us in to the story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and really, we get to see in part we get to see Thrawn through his eyes, mm-hmm. and that gives that gives a balance to seeing Thrawn through Thrawn's own eyes. Mm-hmm. But, now, when you add in, was he an admiral or yeah, he was an admiral. The uh, 
the guy from the special special division that would help them? Oh yeah, the um, was that Commandant the, uh, Denlack that, or the, was that what, Admiral what, what, It was. I can't remember. No, it wasn't Admiral Grendling. Um, no, oh, Dreamlark was Dreamlark was the commandant of the school or the academy branch that they sent Thrawn and Eli uh, to. Where, where, uh, yeah, Dreamlark, imme- Dreamlark immediately promotes Thrawn to right. lieutenant, and which calls a lot of uh, hazing. Right. Uh, what I'm talking about is if you add in the guy of the the um, division that the internal police division for the for the navy, when you when you add him to the mix of Thrawn and Eli, so you add you add the the admiral in charge of um, yeah I think it was the I think they were called into the they mix. were called SIS and it I very it much becomes yeah, it does. Sherlock it does. Holmes. I mean, you've got, you know, he's Sherlock, except for it's the army. And, you know, Eli's very much uh, Watson. And then you've got, like, the the reluctant uh, policeman who who doesn't understand what's going on, but but trusts the, the decisions in that uh, the guy in charge of the special divisions. So, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a formula that obviously works. No, oh, yeah. But it's just yeah. kind of funny when you think about it. Uh, and that would be played by Sherlock. Would be played by Benedict Cumberbatch in the Star Wars universe. But, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I'd yeah. Be all right. With so, that. so, 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 yeah. So, who would be? Uh, so that is. Um, I just lost the show notes here. Here they are. Um, so this would be. We're talking about uh, Admiral Grendling. Is that correct? Or Commandant? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's who he yeah, is. We probably might have the name wrong on that, but. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about Arinda Price because you know when we talk about central characters. First of all, you have Eli and Thrawn, and they're kind of it's hard to separate Eli and Thrawn. But then you have Arinda Price, who really stands on her own as her own as a character that really devolves and is a really dynamic throughout the book. I mean, you see a totally. Oh, yeah. You start off with one Arinda Price, and you end up with a different Arinda Price. And you talk about so, you talk about someone that's been groomed to take the role of governorship. You know, I I don't know if she is has been as much groomed as she is just uh, stumbled into it by because of circumstances. Well, hatred does lead to the dark side, right? And she totally she hates Senator Ranking. Her, you know oh yeah absolutely and this kind of is a this is a driving the first half of this book yeah i would say even throughout the entire book you have this hatred of of senator ranking yeah, yeah. she was she was on lothal very very happy to to take care of their small company and um and and just live out her life and take care of her parents and and just and just live, but uh, you know the uh, dunium mines that that she had, everybody wanted a piece of them. You know Azadi and uh, comes in and basically forces her out, and she is well. That's it, you know. Uh, I am going to get my revenge, and that kind of was her entire bent was to get revenge on those that took away from her what she had. Even so, she started to, to yeah. kind of um, get used to her life on Coruscant, I want to say. Like, she wasn't totally yeah. hell-bent on, on revenge, but then that, uh, the what she was used by that senator, and that really well, set I her thought- off. Yeah, yeah. It, and I thought I thought that going and staying at Coruscant was more of a vehicle for her to achieve her goals. Yeah, and initially, I'm not sure she ever intended to be governor, but to get back at ranking and as totally, totally there, uh, you know. And I love the relationship between uh, was it Jahir and uh, Driller. Um, 
who really become like her only friends who really have any of, of any note on uh well i guess in atlas too um of, of any note on on you know coruscant but thoughts well, on she, that she's more or less betrayed by everybody that you know and it's no wonder she's so bitter well, and I think you can argue too that she feels betrayed by Driller, even though Driller is oh, yeah. Driller is no way trying to betray her. But wait, I mean, she's been pro. She's not anti the the Galactic Empire at all. And so when she finds that Driller is here, kind of running a secret network and, in a sense, doing stuff for working with Night Swan to some degree, we find that out in that huge exposition. Um, that uh, David was alluding to earlier on, that he's worked mm-hmm. with Night Swan and that this is a, a part of the resistance movement um, that you see develop into, they seem developed in Revenge of the Sith, um, that you hear the echoes of leading into Rebels, the TV show. You see you see this as being kind of that back backbone. Oh, yeah. And they thought she would be on board yeah. with how she had been treated by Imperial people and... Uh, here all that did was drive her deeper into the imperial bosom yeah absolutely yeah. and absolutely. then she went she went right yeah. to the top Tarkin. she went to Tarkin Tarkin that's right oh uh, Will of Tarkin <laughs> yeah um, yeah Who, so you know we got we got a real good picture of Tarkin in this book too. We did, we did. He's alluded to first by Thrawn, but then you finally encounter encounter him, and uh, he's uh, you know we talk about Thrawn being a very um, uh, deliberate in what he does, and uh, Tarkin's right there. Except his intent is way more evil than Thrawn's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Tarkin has the power. He uh, does to do to do more or less anything he wants um, and answers apparently only to the emperor. Uh, yeah. Apparently. Yep. Apparently. And, his... and Palpatine has another, a whole other agenda going on. Right. You know, he's, he's leading this dual life uh, where he's a Sith Lord on the one side and he's the, the emperor of the, uh, Galactic Empire on the other side, and trying to conceal this, right? <laughs> and Thrawn, who's not force sensitive, or at least not that we know of, um, doesn't pick up on the Sith part of that. Um, no, he he's serving his emperor. Yeah, he's serving the emperor, and I think this is interesting because you do see um, you do see Emperor Palpatine being in some way concerned about the the uh un uncharted regions right and uh, and but that doesn't seem to be nowhere nowhere in the rest of the universe you really see him focused on that right except mm-hmm. for except for the novelizations that happen after the force awakens or right before the force awakens maybe this alluded to mm-hmm. one of the ships in one of the final novels goes off to the uncharted regions but we really don't see it any other time Hmm. Yeah, David, did you did you have any input on uh, Governor Price? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I I didn't really think that her character was all that interesting to start with. Um, of course, as it went on, she became a little bit more interesting, and and I feel like the payoff at the end was was worth it. But um, I, I don't know. I, I I didn't care about her all that much. I I found her friends super annoying. Like, I I just didn't understand how she stayed friends with these people. She obviously doesn't care about them, and they only kind of care about her. So, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's good. You weren't listening to the audio book because of the the way they voiced. Um, uh, J- J- is it Jahir? Um, was uh, quite annoying. So, oh, I did. So it made you, it would have made <laughs> you hate her even more. So, but yeah, yeah her voice. Uh. But well, we do, and we do get to see uh, Darth Vader in for a brief clip. Yeah, yeah. It, which makes who, me by the way, I'm, I'm 
<laughs> interesting by the to way, see if Thrawn yeah. picks up on it being Anakin. Well, I don't know. We do have that entire backstory where Thrawn has met and fought with Anakin. Yeah, yeah. But Thrawn is told uh, by by the Emperor that uh, uh, Anakin died during the Clone Wars. Well, right? and that and that's true. Anakin did die from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I wish I could. I wish I could talk like uh, Alec Guinness, yes. but I. I'd, uh, <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, any other characters that are bare mentioning? Uh. I mean, that's... Well, there is a character throughout the book. Uh, he comes in and out, uh, Colonel Ularin, and he's he's uh, kind of prominent in. Uh, in the Rebels series, uh, in hanging around with Price mm. and Thrawn, he he's kind of a, a third wheel with them. Okay. Um, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's like intelligence or something. Yeah, the uh, what's called the SIS or something like that. Yeah. Secret intelligence service. So, well, yeah. So he's he's kind of him and Thrawn are tight, and you see that throughout this book, even. Yeah, I I think he kind of he kind of advises Thrawn on on uh, different directions to go to help him get there and keeps him informed of things that uh, he needs to know. Well, you know, we're talking a lot about the characters here. Do we? Have, uh, what about some of the favorite parts of the uh, like points of plot? Maybe that 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 these characters kind of engaged in that you really enjoyed. I mean the battle, See, the battles, no. especially the battle with the, uh, with the shields. Oh, there and at the end. I I like that battle a lot, and then I I like the aftermath of that battle with the, uh, with the ships that were. Spread out, and no one understood why they were spread out, and it was because Thrawn was Thrawn had an ambush planned, an ambush right. for an ambush. Mm -hmm. Right. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was very. Very good, and again shows the foresight of Thrawn. I like the one, and I, I forget what the name of the planet, but it was one where the um, people from the Galactic Empire were kind of intruding onto the indigenous life form, and uh, were sneaking into their fields. And it was because of the spice vein that went underneath. And then he had that one Tie Fighter come down and with precision burn out the spice vein. I thought that oh, was yeah. neat. I thought that was a pretty neat scene. And then it turns out the pilot was one of the ones that they like uh, pseudo punished at the beginning of the book by oh I know sending him off to a different school. Talk about irony. Yeah. yeah. I I really like the way that Thrawn seemed to uh, stumble into these promotions that he got <laughs> by by just being a really great tactician and planning and then all of a sudden he finds himself getting promoted faster than anybody had ever before right and then all all the resentment that goes along with that i mean you know here we've got someone who is not human climbing rapidly through the ranks of a, a of an almost exclusive uh exclusively human organization no, I, I hear you, and I agree with that. I think that that's, uh, that's definitely a, a huge point in it because, again, you, we mentioned xenophobia earlier on, mm -hmm. and I think that this is, this is very much permeating the Empire at this point. And mm -hmm. uh, the fact that Palpatine, who seems to be kind of the catalyst behind his rapid promotion, seems to be uh, pushing him and accelerating him forward. Does does Palpatine have a great deal to do with him beyond sending him well, they uh, discuss, to the military, Ken? They discuss that he ha has several regular meetings with Palpatine. He does. It, it, covered it, in the book. And in the end, he is the one that promotes him okay. to Grand Admiral. Yeah. 
So, so I, it's like, yep. and I think at it's certain important points, to Thrawn, Thrawn is going and meeting with him, and we don't even know why or what for. Right. Uh. Although we get hints that it was to kind of ex- to explain some of the uncharted regions, although he never tells him where the Chiss are hidden. But right. yeah, yeah. So we we do get that. I think the thing that about it that is that that I love so much about. I just lost my train of thought. So. Yeah, I have, I have nuclear was heading with that. I was just, but um, chug it, chug it, chug it. Chug, yeah, there we go. Phew, it just left. But I did think that the that whole relationship there's there's someone pulling the strings for Thrawn, and and the real hmm. the real question becomes why. And I'm not sure that we get the answer here. I I don't think so, and I don't I don't think we get the answer in Rebels either. Right. Not yet, because he he's just a really successful officer, right? Yeah, and um, you know that's kind of the, that's kind of the way I like to think of him. Not he's not evil. He's not, you know, he doesn't wear a little black hat. He doesn't wear a little white hat. He just does his job as best he can, and you know, with that mega insight of his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know and, and if, if he if he doesn't channel the force, he really should. Oh, he, he, he man, can you imagine him with the force yet? He'd Holy be unstoppable. Moly. He'd be unstoppable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's good he doesn't have the and, force. And, yeah, and you know what? Uh, he does this without seemingly having any ambition to advance. Other than yes. at, what at the beginning he says he'll become admiral, right? For for Eli, right? Yeah, but he's not. Bu- he's not bucking for promotion. He just it just comes to him, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a very interesting. He, he, there's no doubt that he he's a very enigmatic and very interesting character. Yeah, a, a lot of sides to this guy. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things that makes him so fascinating as a character, both here and even when you get to the Era of the Empire books, back to the original trilogy that David alluded to earlier, it's what makes him such a beloved character, is the fact that there are so many sides to him. And he's not, at one point, you know, when he's talking with Night Swan there in that that plane right before Night Swan is killed, um, he seems to have some really strong rebel sympathies. Well, I think his sympathy lies in with whatever means the less death. Right. Yeah. Well, it, and and less death, I again, I think that means collateral damage. Yeah. Okay? So you take, for instance, Tarkin takes the Death Star to Alderaan and just blows the planet to smithereens, killing billions of people. And Thrawn, that's not his style. He likes the surgical strike. He likes to think his way through things and make sure that the situation is addressed. And the guy's actually kind of compassionate when you think about it, the way he tries to avoid killing innocents. Right. No. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Where the other upper echelons of the Empire, they don't seem to give a crap. Just kill everybody, and that that way we know we get the right ones. But that doesn't mean that he's anti-punishment like uh, or um, inflicting problems onto his enemies. He just does it in a way that doesn't cause collateral damage. Yeah, they're his enemies that he's going after, and he's not using a shotgun approach. Yeah. Uh, I found it. I think that's especially true when those three cadets that get sent off to flight school, uh, because uh-huh. they, they would serve the empire better in that sort of role than 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 anything else. Yeah, you know, you see, it's he punishment. See, he, but. he sees their potential. Yeah, and they don't even realize just like. Just like he sees the potential in old technology. Oh yeah, you know the droids. Yeah. I, I, 
that was one of the delights of this book was just the way that like no other characters ever really refer to the old well, I mean I've read a couple of these books now and in the new canon they they don't really refer to the clone saga era of technology all that much mm-hmm. and your uh, Thrawn was like this isn't garbage this has a use and I'm gonna use it watch me yeah, I love that scene when they uh, when they when they get the buzz droids to burrow into the pirate ship and helping them break free from it. I thought yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, I was uh. really excited about that. And I love the idea they the way he sets up the whole the using of the badge, the insignia badge to both call the the buzz droids you know to, to him, and then later on when uh, Eli uses it to kind of distract Nice One, it's just uh-huh. just a great use of that badge. Yeah. <laughs> now, now be honest. Who had to look up what a buzz droid was? I didn't. I, I did. Oh. <laughs> oh, you did. <laughs> well, see, I, I I reread Revenge of the Sith so many times, and it's buzz droids that are on the wings of Anakin and Obi Wan's mm-hmm. fighters at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And so those are the ones that are kind of eating away at their wings, and so yeah, he always and, says buzz and, droids. Uh, uh, if I recall. Uh, Anakin just about killed uh, Obi Wan by trying to help him get those buzz, buzz droids off of he his. He did. He did off indeed. Of the fighter. He did. So that's like for me yeah. the infamous scene with buzz droids. So. Yeah. But, yeah. So very cool. What do we? Uh, hey, what else do we have to talk about here? Uh, any uh, well, any there... themes, plots. Anything else we want to talk about here? Well, you know, throughout the book, we had examples of ambition and co- and political corruption. Right. But Thrawn, Thrawn manages to kind of stay clear of any sort of ambition, and he doesn't seem to be politically corrupt, although I wouldn't say that he's not manipulative, because I would say that there's a little bit oh. of that. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> manipulative, <laughs> right? But I don't view him as being uh, corrupt in the way that we think of political corruption, right? No, I don't yeah. think you could bribe the guy or something like that. Yeah, but um, his ambition is to get the job done, right? But it's not ambition I like think. I'm going to try and rise up and hold a position because of whatever. It's not that no. sort of ambition. He, he, yeah, no. No, his ambition is to get the job done in the most efficient way possible. But but I'll tell you what, Arinda Price, she is loaded with ambition. Yes, and revenge. Yeah, as yes. a result yeah. a, as a result of of her treatment uh on Lothal. Yeah. Well, and you can I mean, you can understand it. I mean, so I put myself in Price's place. I mean, she's she's working with a a mind that's been in her in her family for generations, right? And right. Uh, you know, I live in a farm that's been in my uh, my my family for generations. If someone's going to come in and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm taking that farm away from you, I, I might be a little bit resentful of that. Oh yeah, you know, I I, I understand uh, that that ambition and that desire to kind of preserve that which which is uh, you view as being somehow rightfully yours. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, you really, you really have to know some powerful people in order to uh, climb to the point where you can take revenge. Because you know, you know the saying, "You can't fight city hall." Right. Well, that that's exactly what Arenda Price was trying to do. She was doing her best to fight city hall. Oh, she fought city hall, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she did. But she uh, did that by getting to know people. Any any thoughts in this, David, on the ambition or revenge and loyalty here? Yeah, you, you, well, as far as as um, we go with Thrawn, you're right. I don't I don't see him corrupted, and I, I don't necessarily think I can say that he's even shown to be corruptible, unless you could change his goal. 
to match yours. I mean, that would be the only way to really corrupt him, right. I think. As far as, as corruption in general, I mean, we see it with Price and how she seems fairly like a decent, normal person like the rest of them in in this world. You know, the government's not all bad. But then you give her an opportunity for power, an opportunity for revenge, and you put her family on the line, and it just sets her down a path that leads to her corruption. I, I, I want to say where she's, she goes instead of, in the beginning she's like, I'm going to use my my problems to fight for, kind of help the, the little guy and, and help build them up. And then at the end, it's, I need to protect my own and this is what I have to do. Right. Yeah. And everyone else just has to fall in line. Well, so. and not only that, but with when it goes back and forth between the senators and the governors and everything she's involved with, she uses corruption as a tool. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which yeah. Which is really neat. She gets she gets all of them. Like she she can see that what's how they've been corrupted or what their weak spots are and she hits that that points to get them to do what she wants. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and in the overall umbrella there is that the main power of the government does not care what's going on as long as everything is running the way it's supposed to run. So, you know, these these lesser people, they can screw each other over all they want. As long right. as long as the empire gets the dunium, for instance, right. or you know, and keeps the smuggling down and things like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree yeah. with you. So, so even even the government uh, of the empire is corrupt in itself in its inaction to stop corruption. Yeah, it's sort of like yeah. unless it unless it seriously impacts them, they're hands off. Yeah, yeah, very true. Well, I, you know, I think uh, that brings us to uh, some wrap up thoughts here, David. What do you want to do? You want to take us out of this? Sure, sure. So, uh, what what do you guys think overall? Give your give your your clothing closing thought if we haven't mentioned anything and then how would you rate this book and would you recommend it to let's just say someone getting into the to the new canon Do you, how would you go scott why don't you yeah start? i'll start so uh read this book twice and i would read it a third time if it tells you anything um it's a book that i find very engaging very well written timothy zahn is a master storyteller and does a great job of telling the story of Thrawn. Thrawn is his creation for all intents and purposes. I mean, any of the Thrawn stories have come out. Thrawn has come out of, you know, his 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 universe in the original universe, and now here in the new new universe of Star Wars. And man, you don't need if you've never read a Star Wars novel, you don't need to have read any other Star Wars novel to get a handle on what's going on here. In fact, if you right. do encounter Star Wars through this novel and let's say you watched the movies or maybe you haven't even watched the movies and you're saying, you know, I want to read a Star Wars novel because that's kind of what you do. Uh, you would get a very different impression, like Jim said, of the Empire than you would have if you would just get the just watch the movies, which are told really from the perspective of the Rebel Alliance. And uh, so very different, a very different feel and flavor of it. This book, hands down, one of my favorite, if I were to rank favorite Star Wars novels, this would be in my top five. I have to give this a 10 out of 10 from my perspective. Okay. All right. Jim, how'd you feel of the book? Um, I have, uh, the only Star Wars books I have ever read were the novelizations of uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And I'll tell you what, this this one, to me, was better than those, even. 
I mean, they were really, this, this was really, really good. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't bogged down by speculation. It was a really good story about a fascinating character and, uh, I, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. What would you rate it? Oh, let me think. I, I, I give it a nine. Okay. All right. I, um, I did enjoy this book. I would definitely read it again. Um, if I was going to discuss it again without issue, um, I would absolutely 110% recommend this book, uh, to someone who had never read a Star Wars book. I would even recommend this book to someone who had never seen Star Wars because like we both of you had mentioned at previous times, you know, it's so disconnected and it's such a different view. You don't need to know you don't need to know who Darth Vader is, you don't need to know who the Emperor is, you don't need to know anything. You just need to understand what a what a navy is and Seriously. that it takes and, and accept that it takes place in outer space. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? The rest of it is filled in in the book and and you could totally go off of everything that it says there yeah um that said this is i've read a couple of the other ones i didn't read a lot of the old canon books in fact uh one or two maybe but um of the three or four that i've read in the new canon this would probably be my least favorite one Ooh. and and i say that because I don't know. It was it, 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 that that initial disappointment of it not being what I expected. Him not being the evil, cra- like the crazy evil um, villain that I had built up in my head. Uh, that kind of lowered it for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a fantastic book, but just comparatively, I mean, I think the Ahsoka book is my favorite one so far. I really enjoyed Bloodlines as well. Um, yeah, so my rating would probably be a six out of ten. Mm. You know, it's not 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 spectacular on my on my charts, but a very solid book. Yeah. Well, good. You just want David to come over there and beat you with his loot. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I just want what? I want David to come over there and beat you with his loot. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but no. you know, and, and now. David, that's several times you've mentioned Ahsoka. Are you gonna, mm-hmm. you you need to put that back up on the poll one of these days? Cause Absolutely. I'm almost I'm almost afraid to read it on my own and write about it on my blog and then spoil it for our show. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> spoil it for me. I'd still enjoy reading well, it. I... So, what'd you say? I said what'd that wouldn't say? that wouldn't bother me if you did that. I mean, I. I would uh, no, I would no. read I would read it and still enjoy the story even if I have to read read it a second time. So yeah, but, yeah, but. yeah. I I I like Ahsoka from the Clone Wars, and I think really to enjoy her book, you have to have liked her from the Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah, well, you would have, and really, that's the only way you would have encountered Clone Wars and Rebels. You right. would encounter in Rebels too. So yeah, but. and Chrissy read read Ahsoka, and she really really liked it. Good, good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, books for the next poll. Do you want to talk about our selections here? And then are we going to talk about which one was the winner? Are we going to talk about the winner first? Well, let's hit up the winner okay, first. Okay, winner. And, and I have to tell you, I was a little surprised. Go ahead. People just want us to finish the series. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. My understanding <laughs> is that there, that this was not even a close poll, right? No, not like last time where it was like one vote or two votes right, or something like right. that. This was uh, this was almost double the, or was more than double the uh, the next next one down, and the winner is Inheritance by Christopher Paoli. Let's go ahead and finish um, the series. Yeah. Well, maybe that's yeah. what our voters wanted is to get it out of the way so we can start reading some some good sci-fi. <laughs> Oh, get it out of the way like it's some burden. Like, oh, let's just finish. It's going to keep appearing until we finish it. So let's just vote for it. Pretty much. I know. So, <laughs> says the guy who gave Brissinger 10 out of 10. You know? uh, I love it. This is great. 
Oh, I thought yeah. it was good too. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking so, forward to rereading it. So. Well, um, we're going to carry over Leviathan. Yes, Luke, the Expanse by absolutely James S. A. Corey. Yep. That'll be hopefully the, that uh, wins. I don't know. That was the uh, one of the runner-ups, and we'll carry that over as the fan vote uh, for the next one. And David, what's your um, uh, what's your selection for the for the poll next time? What's that? Scott? What's your selection for the next uh, poll the next time? Mine is the Prey of Gods by Nikki Drayden yeah. uh, about uh, a god that reemerges in uh, Egypt and kind of starts giving people a way to, to have superpowers and uh, AI robots and all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Sounded pretty interesting. Oh, cool. Jim, how about you? What is your uh, what's your selection for next time? Well, I'm carrying over Fahrenheit four Fahrenheit four five one. In hopes that everybody will get tired of seeing it on the poll <laughs> and vote for it so we can... <laughs> yeah, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah, I just keep put it, putting it in their face and say, okay, we'll do it for we'll crying out loud. We'll do it, Mine, going on, I'm, I'm going to one that, this is an old older story, Time Traders by Andre Norton. Um, it's actually... Uh, this story begins a series of uh, of stories that Andre wrote in this universe. There's like six or seven novels in this in this storyline, and this is the first one. And we're talking about golden age science fiction, written by uh, a, a female in a predominantly well, in what what was a male dominated genre for the longest time. Uh -huh. um, so a little bit of Cold War uh feeling going on in there but uh it was it's, it's well worth the read and one of my favorite books so hopefully reader hopefully listeners will vote for it so. well before we head out we do have uh some feedback from our buddy roland uh he writes in and he says uh that he's catching up on the books he says here's my thoughts for each book so far hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy he loved it even funnier than he remembered uh ring world he said felt very dated uh, sometimes interesting, sometimes very boring. And uh, Aragon, he noted as an easy to read and kept his interest the whole time. And then he gets to New York 2140 and he says, terribly boring. Which <laughs> right up my alley. I'm glad to Best have you in my corner, you, Roland. <laughs> you, you paid him off, David. You paid him off. <laughs> I swear, I only said I didn't like it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, at least he di he didn't agree with you about hitchhikers. At least we got that. So. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't it David that said something about gouging his own eyes out? Or yeah, something I know like something that? like that. Yeah, it was pretty, during pretty some brutal. five minute rant or something. Oh, there was a, there did, was a I went on a long rant. There was a good rant. That, that was a good so rant. So. Uh, uh, then he says, a blast from the plast is a discussion question. Which characters of the ones you've encountered in the books you've read so far would you most prefer to see your son or daughter dating? And Ooh. which character would you least like to see your son or da daughter date? Hmm. And and he's like, is, it, or is this going to upset those guys? And I said, no, I want to see him squirm. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. That's a so, tough one. That's uh, go, ahead, go ahead, Jim. Oh, you put uh, Jim in the spot. Thank God. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, I don't want my daughter dating anyone. <laughs> that the Period. She's already upset She's with me guy. because I keep telling her the first guy that comes to the door is going to find he's greeted with a large person with a large bat left. <laughs> yeah could you imagine they would never come back I, I actually i have a website well, i have a website for my daughter called do not meet date my daughter.com and it's an actual website if you go there to fill out this big long form before you date my daughter oh man. yeah it's not it's, 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 a... it's not serious but you go there do not date my daughter.com there you go I think it's a wonderful idea, and I will take it serious. Okay, hey, uh, I, I will share the form with you a little bit later on. But hey, I, I got a, I got a question. I got an answer here. I think okay. if I were to have someone that I would feel comfortable with my daughter dating, it might actually be Eli Vantos. 
of the characters because he seems pretty level-headed, straightforward, straight-shirted. He seems honorable, and um, and uh, and I, I, you know, I, you know, I think I think that he might be a good ma- a good a good man for for her. So I think I would let Chrissy go see a movie with Brom. <laughs> oh, you know what? Brom, Brom yeah. is there yeah. too. I, I, I'm with you on that. Brom would be good. Yeah. Now, who would you not let them? Who Ooh, would absolutely man. get the bat lift to the face? <laughs> oh, well, let me think. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. See, I would never let my daughter go out with with uh, what's his face from Ready Player One. The we main character read, guy. We didn't read Ready Player One here. Didn't we? Yeah, we did. Do we read? We, no, we haven't. Read, we haven't read we? it in the show. So that's not that's not even part of it. The discussion. That doesn't Sorry. Even count. Yeah, what kind of drugs count. are you taking, David? I don't, I don't know. know. The good ones, I guess. The good kind. <laughs> no, um, the guy in New York Twenty One Forty. Yeah, which guy is that? With the Any boat. Of them. The guy with the boat. Yeah. Eh, he kind of redeems himself at the end. No, he's a creep. Okay, okay, he's a creep. Very good. He he would he would definitely Marvin. I would not let my daughter date Marvin. <laughs> Marvin, the depressed oh, psychotic robot. I, I think that'd be pretty safe. Yeah, but he'd kill himself after the first date. So, <clears throat> see, I, I'd send my daughter out with Roran. Oh yeah, Roran definitely strong hammer. He's definitely up there. But you yeah. know who I wouldn't? Uh, Galbatorix. Sorry, he's off limits to the guys. That what? Talk. <laughs> that's right you guys didn't read the fourth book yet sorry Beeped. okay <laughs> yeah no i wouldn't let my daughter go out with anyone in in uh in new york 2140 or whatever that book's called yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that book well all right <laughs> that was a fun question roland thanks i like that for, one we need more questions like that parents uh squirm a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, uh well uh, if you want to get in touch with us for the next show, we're going to be reading Inheritance by Christopher Paolini. Uh, if you want to let us know anything about that book, anything about any of the books that have come previous, if you want to tell uh, tell these guys that they're totally wrong about which guys they picked out were for yes and no, we want to hear <laughs> that too. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, and just anything, just send us an email at or- theorbitalsword at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Orbital Sword. We're also on Twitter, Orbital Sword. And we have a Patreon where if you'd like to help support the show, you can hit us up there, patreon.com slash the Orbital Sword. Always appreciate um, that. Yeah, am I forgetting anything, Scott? No, I believe that that, that, that pretty well does it. Yeah. So once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowin, and join us again next time aboard the Orbital Soul.